Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Well, we're back, Jake, to finally talk about some new, yes, you heard that right, new Ducks material. So training camp is underway for the Anaheim Ducks. We've got uh, some new jersey numbers, which I know you're excited about. We've got new line combinations. We've got a whole lot to really dig into here and, and, and give you, I think, maybe the first podcast in months that is going to talk about something that the Ducks had not done before that is brand new. Yeah. That relates to the on-ice product. Yeah. So that's it, exciting. It's Sunday, so you know what that means. So it's a, it's a podcast day for us, and we have stuff to actually talk about. And uh, yeah. it, it's nice. It's two weeks in a row we have things to talk about. Last week yeah, we had and, the, the schedule, <laughs> and this week yeah. we have actual Ducks player stuff to talk about. Yeah, that's that's kind of the that's when you know it's getting real is when there's stuff about the players yeah, and, that's starting to change. And don't worry, there will be some World Junior talk afterwards. Also, don't that that is definitely something we'll get to. But uh, there's a little bit more prominent topic because of actual Ducks players that we know are going to be on the team uh, and line combination mm-hmm. discussion that could be coming as a result of uh, what we've seen in training camp because the Ducks have already had one scrimmage. Yeah, they've already had one scrimmage, and they've been having off-ice workouts. I think they're on day... Today was day three of camp, or day four, something like that. I don't know. Uh, The first day was the 31st. So they've got a bunch of stuff going on there that we're going to get into. But it's just... um, As much as I know people are enjoying the World Juniors and watching Trevor Zegers do his thing... I think most people want to hear about the the actual Anaheim Ducks right now. I don't know that that could. I think that's top of mind for for what's to come here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there. The thing is, there are people out there that will want to hear a lot of different we'll, things, we'll, and we're we'll, trying. We'll we're gonna to give both. them all of it. We're gonna give them all. We'll of get, it. Don't worry. We'll get to both. So this is the biggest thing that we got to talk about. This is truly, if there's one important thing that we're gonna get to on this show, it's got to be this. Lucas Dostal has officially... So, for anyone who's ever been to the Ducks training camps over the past years, Dostal has always stood out, in part because he's so good, but also because he always had the green pants or the green pads uh, and gear. But now, images on the Ducks' social media channels, Lucas Dostal is completely decked out in white and orange pads, Anaheim Ducks-themed masks. So, I'm thinking that he ain't going back. I mean, we already knew that, but... Uh, officially official that he's going to be in the in the actual system this year not just kind of this far away prospect so i thought that that was kind of and he's taken and he's taken number one i mean that is a prototypical goalie number that is one that there have been some uh some good goalies specifically jonas hiller that have worn number Mm -hmm. one in in ducks lore and uh he he was one and he was one in previous camps too but yeah it's a it's a classic number. Yeah. For sure. And so, I mean, that's a sign though of kind of where they, where they feel about him or how they feel about him by giving him that number and not assigning him. Like for instance, I mean, maybe Ole Erickson wants this number, but 78 for him. Um, yeah. And, and so it's a sign. And so kind of cool to see. I mean, it makes sense. We knew that Dostal was coming over to play with the goals. And that's one of the things with the goals mm-hmm. color scheme is that you can have ducks and goals pads. Basically they, they work for both. Yeah, and uh, I guess one thing that we should point out, the AHL is confirmed to start in February now. Yes, that that is something so, that will be happening. I believe that yeah. they are waiting to hear on which clubs will be playing. But, 
I mean, you would have to assume that uh, the Ducks and the goal or that the goals will be playing. Seems like the Samuelis want them to go. It seems like they're willing to have their their guys play, even if it's an empty arena situation, to be able to get the development for those players. I mean, the Ducks are in the downward spot of the rebuild where you want to have guys get gaming game time and have a place to play. So you would assume that the goals will be playing. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that they would have brought over Dostal if they didn't think that he True. was going to have a chance to get in some some actual games and not just be like a taxi squad player. Um, I guess since we're on the topic of goalies, this is now completely getting into the weeds. But I was going through Jay Fresh Hockey's Twitter feed, who the stats that we kind of quote sometimes in the show, and he was saying that one of the biggest difference makers in his simulations for the playoff standings was adding ryan miller to the ducks and how much it improved their playoff odds i don't know if it had them making the playoffs but it had them kind of on the fringe i mean playoff contention it it does make sense i mean miller is a big upgrade on stolars (laughs) so but but still it 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 takes them out of the the essentially the basement so that's i think that that should give people some encouragement yeah positive sunday it's positive sunday all around it's training camp every every line could be the next great line so, you know, it's, it's all good. We're going to keep it positive so, here. Let, let's just jump into it. Let's jump into well, the D on. pairs and the forward lines that were, were during hold this uh, training camp uh, squad scrimmage. You want to start with the D pairs? Well, no. I, we still have to get through these jersey numbers. All right. This is, all, this is, this is very important. Fine. So, extremely important. I mean, Sonny Milano switching to 12 because of Kevin Shattenkirk taking 22. Kevin Shattenkirk actually was quoted in an Eric Stevens article as saying that Basically, through some mutual friends, with both of them being kind of uh, in the New York area, having uh, going to the same gym, that he was able to con- uh, connect with Sonny Milano, and Milano had no issues giving up the number. And basically, uh, Shattenkirk will owe him some dinners on the road uh, this year. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, hotel no, dinners. I, no, I would no, imagine no Rolex watches. It, it seems <laughs> though that that didn't happen. Like uh, what was it? Ilya Kovalchuk gave uh, someone a Rolex yep. watch in Washington. Yeah, Brett Brett Kulak. Well, he did that in Montreal. Oh, it was yeah. in Montreal. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so no, no Rolex. It, Rolex, it seems for uh, for Sonny Milano, but at least he gets a dinner probably out of it. Couple of other jersey number notes. Uh, we've got Jamie Drysdale, his first training camp appearance, number thirty-four. Uh, Trevor Zegras is now forty-six. I think he was fifty-two in the past, so he's just kind of moving a little further down. We've got Sam Steele. This might be the most noteworthy one, going from 34 to 23, which was his number in the WHL and junior hockey. Jacob Perot, who is in addition to camp 64. And outside of that, I think that that's all of the jersey number changes. So if you were waiting on buying a new jersey this year because of some potential number changes, well, there you go. It's set in stone now. Yeah, yep. And so... um yeah, it, I was really hoping to see some players switch, but uh, you know, I guess it's only oh, Sam Steele. Like which players? Um, Could you know, be thinking you of know, there? number nineteen's definitely available, and uh, Troy Terry is still sitting <laughs> at sixty-one. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how I, that goes. I'm a, little sur- I'm a little surprised by that, but I guess Troy Terry, he maybe has you, maybe like sixty-one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's yeah he's trying to make it work. He also played less games last year than Sam Steele, so I don't know if he hasn't hit the the seniority mark. I have no clue. I really don't understand. But maybe it's like sixty one. Yeah, and perfectly. It's, nothing wrong with that. The Ducks have had their uh, prototypical numbers that they would uh, assign to kids. 
Um, and it seemed like fi- always they were kind of higher numbers typically. Um, mm-hmm. 54 being one that Bobby Ryan wore, being one that Cam Fowler wore, all these different things. But it seems like 34 has now become that also with uh, yeah. with Sam Steele <laughs> having that. And so even though it's in the 30s, which is relatively high, but also could potentially be considered a goalie number, it seems like they are considering th- considering 34 to be a kid number also with the fact that Jamie Drysdale has been given that number um, right after Sam Steele vacated it. I mean, yeah, it's not a it's not a great number. Maybe it's a situation where uh, Jamie Drysdale wanted that number and they felt uh, like they could allow Sam Steele to switch as a result. Maybe. Oh yeah, I I kind of doubt that. Yeah. I think Sam Steele probably just wanted twenty thirty, but who knows? Who knows? The, the 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 that's why it's fun to speculate. But let's get into the actual meat of all of this, though. Like you were talking about, I think the biggest place for us to start is really going to be the defense pairings Agreed. because, let's face it. If there's any strength on this Ducks roster outside of their starting goaltender John Gibson, it's probably you'd probably say it's their their top four blue liners. And so Dallas Akins has paired up Kevin Shattenkirk next to Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson with Cam Fowler on the other, I guess the one A one B pairings. And so that's a big a bit of a departure from the past because we've really seen Manson and Lindholm joined at the hip. Cam Fowler last year, I mean for pretty much the majority of his career has had a rotating cast of partners. So what do you make of that switch? Do you like it? Do you think it has um, potential? What's what's your takeaway there? My initial reaction was a little bit of hesitancy, mainly due to the fact that we have a big sample size of, of Lindholm and Manson being a good defense pairing together um, over the history, basically, of their ice time together. And now, granted, last year, that pairing was not that great. Um, I mean, granted, they were decent for the ducks but they were below 50 percent expected goals four percentage and we've seen though in the past them have success and um we've also seen two seasons ago and we'll get into this a little bit more that manson and fowler together really didn't work for whatever reason that was a pairing that i wanted to see for a while because fowler's game has always been predicated on being good at breaking out the puck and the issue that he has with his game is being able to get the puck in his own zone and being able to suppress guys from going into his own zone and suppress shots. And that's kind of Josh Manson's game. He's a guy that is good down low, can get the puck back and give it to his defense partner. He's also good at kind of denying zone entries. And so when you think about that, that is the type of player that Cam Fowler should be playing with. Somebody that can suppress the shots for him, get him the puck. And Fowler is absolutely amazing at breaking the puck out of his own zone. And for whatever reason, they didn't work two years ago. And, and now, granted, it was the last year of Randy Carlisle. Nobody on the team really worked well. There's a whole <laughs> lot of issues with that. So maybe it's a situation where under Dallas Akins, Fowler and Manson together will work out a fair amount better. Maybe Fowler has maybe Fowler was partially part of the issue, and we've covered this at length, but Fowler was probably the Ducks' best defenseman last year. And it seemed like any single player that he played with last season got better as, as a result and in limited minutes last year granted him when him and Manson were paired together they were extremely good 61% expected goals for percentage which is extremely good but like I said limited minutes but maybe they build off that maybe this is Fowler's game growing and being able to work with Manson maybe this is just a situation where under Carlisle things didn't work and now it does but kind of zooming out and looking at the overall pairings I like the overall setup because both for everything that Lindholm and Manson do well together, 
they're kind of similar players at the when you break it down. They're both guys that are great at limiting shot attempts against. They're both good at limiting zone entries. Maybe where they both falter a little bit is breaking the puck out of their own zone, but they're very, very good at suppressing shots against and keeping guys to the outside, keeping them from entering the zone. Um, but where they lack is that transition to offense to create chances by breaking it out clean. And so maybe by splitting them up, you're able to kind of use their strengths and maybe you have Shattenkirk who's kind of sort of like a Cam Fowler is very good at breaking out the puck from his own zone. That is one of his strengths. He's a very good puck moving defenseman. He's very good with clean breakouts and pairing him with Hampus Lindholm, who is great at suppressing chance, suppressing chances against uh, suppressing zone entries, a lot of different things like that. You kind of have these two guys that play different styles but by having them play together you're able to maximize their strengths and it's a very similar thing with Fowler Manson I think those two pairings have the potential to be very good because of kind of the meshing of different styles working together and, and I'm excited to see it and here's the thing worst case scenario if it doesn't work you can always go back to Lindholm Manson and Fowler's had success with a lot of different type of guys he very well might be able to have success with Kevin Shattenkirk Oh, Fowler, you're saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, you want the, you want, yeah, I mean, it could possibly work. It's just tough to say. Um, yeah. I think that what's, what's nice about those pairings is that you have kind of your clear cut offensive player, more offensive leaning player on one side, and then your more shutdown guy on the other. You know, you have Lindholm Manson serving that role, and then you have Shattenkirk and Fowler. So it's a nice, it's kind of a nice synergy there. Yeah. But, I mean, that's something that they can do over time if they want. They don't necessarily have to do it right away. Yeah, and the thing with with Lindholm and Manson is that they haven't they weren't awesome last year. You know, they played a ton of minutes together and, you know, they kind of treaded water. They were okay from a shot attempt perspective, but in terms of shot quality, they were below 50%. So, I'm okay with venturing out, the Ducks venturing out and trying something new because I don't think that the the problem with the Lindholm Manson pairing is that not only like you were saying, you know, they, they have some struggles breaking the puck out, but they just also don't give you anything offensively. They're not guys who are really going to provide you any type of offense from the blue line. And that's kind of an issue in today's NHL, because one of the big advantages that we see so many teams do now, you have that defenseman joining the rush or able to being able to make plays from the blue line. So having one guy who can do that on each pairing, and by the way, one guy, one guy on each pairing who can do it extremely well. I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk is is probably the the Ducks' best defenseman right now on paper. I mean, maybe maybe by a slim margin, maybe by a wide margin, but I, I would be pretty comfortable saying he's already their best defenseman. So maybe with age, he declines a bit. But I think that I really like this, this move by Dallas Akins, cool. and I hope... The, the only hope is that they, they actually give it a chance to, to work. Yeah. And that, you know, if the Ducks have a bad first game against Vegas or a bad first week, that they immediately go back. I, I just think that it, this is something that's worth really exploring because this is, to me, their optimal setup. I think Lindholm, Mance, or sorry, Lindholm Shattenkirk especially, that could be one of the best pairings in the NHL this year. I think both of these pairings have a chance to be some of the better pairings in the league um, because Look. of how that the players skill sets just really mesh. So let me ask you this. We, we definitely both agree that this is this defense and special uh, specifically this top four um, are, are the strength of this team. 
the mm-hmm. outside of John Gibson, obviously, I think this is the next biggest strength of this roster is the the defense. And if they're they are going to mount a a push for a playoff spot, it's going to be on the back of having a very solid defense core that not only can defend and keep shots from coming into their own zone, it's also going to be transitioning that to offense and getting the puck up to forwards, and then it's on the forwards to be able to create the chances. Where would you rank this top four in the NHL? Would I, I, I think that if you were to try to look at this top four, I think they're definitely easily top half in the league. Yeah, I would say they're definitely above average. It's kind of hard for me to say because I don't really have all the others in my mind right now. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but I, I would say they could potentially be, you know, bottom half of the top 10. I, uh, I think yep. they could ha- have a claim to be in the top 10. Yep. I, I think maybe the only thing that this defense pair, defense core is missing is basically the superstar level talent. But if you're looking yeah. for a, a quality of depth, I think they're up there with a lot of uh, defense or top fours in this league. And I don't think they're very far behind some of the top in the league if you're looking for just quality one through four. Yeah, and I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk last year was, I mean, I don't. no one would call him a superstar, but his production and just kind of all his underlying metrics that we look at, I mean, he was, he was way up there in terms of quality. And so he's... And Not a superstar his, by any means, but he's and, up there. Now, the thing with the, I was just going to mention that I think that what brings them down is not well, part of it is the lack of a superstar, but you could technically have a really uh, one of the better top fours in the league without one if you just have four really good players. I think what kind of brings them down is that Lindholm and Manson are just kind of they were just not that good last year. Yeah. Um, no, and, and so they're kind of one dimensional players right now. And so. If they can just give you a little bit more offensively, then yeah, they're easily in the top well, 10, easily. I'm wondering if they may look a little bit better offensively if when paired oh, with, yeah. Fowler, with Fowler and Shattenkirk. And so if that comes up and you have these two defense pairs that are not only good in their own zone, but good offensively, that helps out significantly with this roster. And so I think I think you're probably right. Probably, I, I'd say more likely than not, they're in the 10 range. If you're looking yeah, maybe at top seven fours, to 10. Seven yeah. to 10. But if all things go right, and this is what we keep saying about the Ducks roster, if all things go right, they could potentially find themselves in a playoff spot. If all things go right, they're they're maybe even higher than that. Yeah, you, you got you got a buzz going on. I do, Jake. I hear I I'm, hear an alarm in the background. I'm, I'm trying to uh, stop it real quick. So uh, give me one <laughs> second here. Okay. Right. Yeah. No problem. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Well, the other thing I was going to say is I think that that's a good point in terms of splitting them up because I think together they they just there's not a guy on there who's really the clear-cut puck carrier or puck mover. I think they're both okay passers coming out of the zone, but um I think now they have a clearly they have a guy that they can just defer to, whether it's Fowler or Shattenkirk, just give them the puck and let them go to the work, go to work and then, you know, they can do what they do best in terms of Lindholm and Manson, just, you know, cover back uh, really track, suppress those shot attempts, you know, gap up. All the things that they do really well, I think that they're kind of freed up to do now. They don't have to worry so much about trying to generate the other way, just kind of keep their game to a really simple level. And I think that playing with those guys will bring up maybe some of their some of their on-ice numbers offensively. I still think individually they're, they're not going to be these awesome offensive players, but at least just when they're on the ice that I think the ducks are going to be a little bit better about pushing play forward. Yep. So I think it's the move. <laughs> I no, think this I, is exactly what they should be doing. I do um, too. I, I at least to start, maybe if it blows up, if it doesn't work, then you move away, but this is the move right now. Something worth bringing up is what are they going to do with the third pairing though? 
because let's run through well, the other D pairs <laughs> in this yes. uh, scrimmage. And here's the thing: yes, the, the this, top, this is this is not going to be as this the, is not going to be as positive. I, I no, hate to spoil the, it. The the top four is locked in, and Dallas Akins I think has even said that where it's those mm-hmm. four players and that's it. And and so it seems like there's some experimentation going on to see what he has with the other D pairs. And so here's the other D pairs from uh, the camp scrimmage. They had Cody Coran with on the left side, which I thought was interesting because he was known as being a left-hand shot but was playing the right side. Mm-hmm. And he was paired with Andy Walensky, Simone Benoit, mm-hmm. or si- wait, we've gone over this so many times. It's Simon, Simon right? Simon, mm-hmm. Simon Benoit. And uh, Josh Mahura paired together. That seems like it's an AHL pairing. Those I, I, two pairings seem like AHL pairings. And then I, maybe. Uh, then we have uh, Jacob Larson and Christian. Andy Wolinski? Are you kidding me? Let, let, let me just run. Keep running through them. Okay. Jacob Larson okay. and Christian Juice, and we have Brendan Gooley and Yanni Hockenpah. Yeah. So, so I think I think of those eight. I think that uh, Larson, Juice, Gooley, Hawk, and Paw are the front runners to be in the mix for the third pairing. I think Cody Coran, Andy Walensky could be in the mix also. The Ducks went out of their way to bring in Andy Walensky, and we haven't talked about that it that much because it really just seems like a well, yeah. a nothing move. But they went out of their way to bring in Andy Walensky, and I'm trying to see it was on a it's on a one way deal, so uh-huh. he's going to be paid. His his amount granted seven fifty k, but he's yeah. gonna be paid that whether he's in the AHL or NHL. I don't think you do that if you're locked in with him going into the AHL. And same thing as we've talked about with Cody. Well, Coran. Okay, you know how many NHL games he played last year? None, zero. Yeah, fair enough. But well, yeah, they went out of their way to get him. I mean, you can go out of your way to get an true, AHL player. But what about Cody Coran? <laughs> but but my point in saying this is. Cody Coran is is the more interesting one where they yeah. paid him a, he, a decent amount to bring him to the NHL. Now, granted, one thing about Cody Coran that is interesting or of note is he is waiver exempt. So maybe that is something in play there where they want to get him into the AHL first, have him play I some think, games there. Yeah, I think he may start in the AHL just to get, find his footing there. I I just think that the, the problem for the Ducks is as much as... Look, maybe you're right. Maybe they do want to give Walensky and, and Curran a shot. I think that there's other guys in that mix that they have vested interests in finding out what they can do sooner. Yeah. So, for example, Brandon Gooley, I think that they want to find out at some point is he going to be, you know, is is he going to be capable of being a third pairing NHL defenseman? Same with same thing with Jacob Larson. Same thing with Christian Juice. And they gave Yanni Hockenpah a decent amount of run last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. So, and Benoit Mahura, I mean, we can't completely rule them out, but I think it's safe to say that they're probably going to start in the AHL unless one of them really stands out, which is not com- out of the realm of possibility. But those would be my favorites. I mean, I don't think you're completely off base saying that Kern and Walensky have a chance, but I think they're more bottom tier in that. Yeah, and, and I think also looking at waiver exempt status does play a part in this because that does matter. And Simon Benoit um, and Josh Maher are both waiver exempt, as is mm-hmm. uh, Cody Coran. <clears throat> yep. um, whereas Brendan Gooley is not at this point, which may seem shocking to everyone out there because he's in that same age range but brendan gooley is not waiver exempt so he they may be wanting to give him a shot because they don't want to lose him on waivers and so he just so everyone understands even if he were to be put on the taxi squad he would have to be put on waivers and this was a relatively high profile guy that they got for brandon montour and they could lose him for nothing if they put him on waivers so okay but let's can we clarify one thing though just because you're waiver eligible doesn't mean you're you're gonna get claimed 
Correct. That, 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 True. That's a guarantee. Especially this year. Especially this year. I mean, what has Brandon Gooley done to... No, and this fair. I'm not trying to discredit him, but I'm just saying... That's fair. What teams are jumping, jumping out of their seats to claim him yep. when they see his name pop up on the ticker? I mean, he played 30 games last year. He... Wasn't very good in them. Wasn't great in them. He has really not played a whole lot in the NHL to this point. Last year was actually the most games he had played in his career with 30. Former second-round pick. You know, he's already been traded once. Uh, You know, this is not really a guy. So, I don't know. I just wouldn't worry too much about that. That's all I'm trying to say. That's fair. So, I I think that you're probably spot on then after I've thought through with that Karam Walensky uh, (laughs) topic. And so I, you're probably right. It's probably Larson, Juice, and Gooley Hockenpah are the two they're fighting. Now, granted, we should clarify this. Fat Troll asks, are those pairs set in stone? No. No. I, I think the yeah, top, I mean, we, the, we're, the top we four We can't treat is, this as gospel, yeah. Yeah, the, the top four, I think, is fairly locked. It, it's locked in. It is. The, the, it is. The, the actual pairing may not be, but who those players are are locked in. And so... Do you want to Do you want to hear a, a thought that I had the other day? Sure. What if you tried to do, instead of having that top four, that you try to have one of your best defensemen on each pairing? So you have Fowler on one, Lindholm on one, and Shattenkirk on one, and then just try to do it that way. Does does that have any merit? Yes. I mean, it has merit, no doubt. Should they do it? I kind of doubtful on whether they should. I mean, what it comes Mm -hmm. down to is how do you want to distribute the minutes? And that's the biggest thing here. If you're going to do it yeah. like that, then you need to distribute the minutes more evenly between the three pairs. Well, and, I think it could be. I think it could be a good approach for the regular season because of the compressed schedule. Would, maybe yeah. e- easier. And then you know, if you're more in a playoff setting or in a in a win now setting, then yeah, you you know you can go to those that top four. You know, assuming that you've given them a little run. Where where do we think minutes will be if they do it like not don't do it like you do you want it, but mm-hmm. do it in the way of the, how they're probably going to do it. I, it's I probably going to be. It's probably pretty even, I would say. Well, it's probably going to be, I would bet, 22 minutes, 23 minutes for uh, the Fowler-Manson uh, pairing and similarly for the Lindholm-Shattenkirk and then whatever's left over to the third pair. And the third pairing's yeah. basically going to come in for spot duty throughout the game. I, I think that Fowler-Manson is actually going to be the first pairing because probably. Camp Fowler's always been a high-minutes guy. and that's just the way the Ducks have loved to use him, and I think that they're not going to shy away from that, especially because Kevin Shattenkirk, as good as he is, he's on the side of the age curve where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get season to season, and so you want to keep him fresh as much as you can. So he might not necessarily be the, the highest usage guy on the Ducks, which I think would be totally respectable. I also think it's fine if you maybe go, you know, if, if you go the other way as well. I mean, last year we saw his we saw his usage go way down on the lightning. Now, of course it's on a really good team, uh, but he hasn't played top pairing minutes in about two years. So that's, that's something to monitor as well. Yep. Pairing so, talk. I love yes, this. Yes, I do too. <laughs> so I, I think if, if we had to pick out of these three, obviously a Fowler Manson, Lindenham, Shankirk, I would, I would say the smart money's probably on Larson juice. If you're looking for a pairing to start the year as the third pair. I think that's where the smart money's probably at. For as much as we dislike Jacob Larson and his game is not that great, I mm-hmm. think for whatever reason, Dallas Akins trusts him. And I think Christian Juice showed at the end of last season that he's a pretty good player. And mm-hmm. I think the Ducks probably want him in the mix for the power play usage. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that pairing probably is the one I would circle as the most likely third pair out of this group. 
Yeah, and I think that's totally fair because Dallas Aikens loved him some Jacob Larson last year. He played a ton, and uh, Christian Juice had a had a good end of season run with the Ducks. And then the real, I mean, really part of the reason that that pairing seems likely is just look at the other options. <laughs> I mean, there's no one really popping off the page that you can trust to just go into an NHL third pairing right away. I mean, who outside of those two, who else would it be really? If 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 neither of those two are an option. Yeah, that you would feel comfortable with. I mean, yep. I don't think, I don't think you can really feel great about a Gooley Hawk and Paw nope. third pairing. I, I mean, they've each had their moments where they've looked okay, but as a whole, has been great. Benoit Mahura, I mean, hey, that could be good, but we just haven't seen it. They've been in the AHL, and then Kern Walensky, I mean, same kind of argument there. So yeah, you're right. It'll probably be Larson Juice, and if you're a Ducks fan, just just cross your fingers. Maybe 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 have a little. Uh, a little bit of an alcoholic beverage before watching that pairing, because who knows? Who knows how that'll go? Okay. Yep. Do you want to talk about the forward lines a bit? Yep, let's get into it, because I think the forward lines are not locked in. I don't think anything's locked in. They seem uh, like more the, of a hodgepodge. They do seem like more of a hodgepodge, but I think you can kind of take away some information for what Dallas Aikens is thinking going into this year. Um, mm-hmm. So just running through it on the white squad in the game or for the scrimmage, it was a uh, uh, Max Jones, Ryan Getzloff, Danton Heinen. Then you had uh, Max Comtois, Sam Steele, Troy Terry, Sonny Milano, Isaac Lundestrom, David Backus. And then the fourth line for that, th- that uh, team was uh, Antoine Moran, Ben Olivier or Benoit Olivier grew uh, and uh, Jacob Perot. And then for the black squad, it was Ricard Raquel, Adam Henrique, Jacob Silverberg, Nick Deloria, Derek Grant, uh, Carter Rowney, Chase DeLeo, Andrea Gazzino, Vinny Lettieri, uh, Braden Tracy, Sam Carrick, Andrew Podorowski. Uh, yeah, Podorowski. <laughs> That's a tough the, one. Yeah, that one. Uh, you know, I, I did a decent job there. It's for, a tough one. On, on a lot of those, I was really happy that I pulled out the Vinny Lettieri. <laughs> but uh, Podorowski oh. really got me there. But, yeah, that that's a brutal one. But so I, I think that there's a couple lines here that I think, especially on the black squad, those seems like seem like the lines for the season. Ricard Raquel, Adam Henrique, Jacob Silverberg. I think yeah. you can lock that one in because that's probably we, their first line. Yeah, because we've seen those guys play together specifically, uh, Jacob Silverberg and uh, Ricard Raquel, and have a lot of success last season uh, in terms of generating chances, generating shots going the other way. And actually, when you add Adam Henrique into that mix, they're not as good as, weirdly enough, oh, never mind, that's why, not a whole lot of minutes there. But um, <laughs> I was looking at Isaac Lundstrom and Jacob Silver, <laughs> oh, yeah. Silverberg and Ricardo Tello, and they line. had insane numbers last year they but did. in five games played. Um, whereas Adam Henrique put in there, not as great, as uh, some of the other ones, but there is familiarity there. And like we said, Silverberg and Raquel. They played a lot. I mean, they yeah. still played over 200 minutes at five on five last year. Yeah. And I mean, and from a shot attempt perspective, they were 52.8%. And so, from an expected I mean, that's goals, still four decent. percentage, 49.44. But I think keep in mind, this Ducks team was not very good in terms of expected yeah. goals, four percentage. So to have a line almost at break even, that's actually not horrible in relation in, to the rest of the Ducks roster. And I mean, those three aren't the only guys on the and ice. They, you also have the defense and the, and the pair that playing with. Just to point out, I mean, even though this is kind of smaller sample, that line scored a bunch for the Ducks as well in in their limited minutes. I mean, in terms 55% of fifty five percent goals for percentage. Yeah, well, just purely goals four per sixty. They they were yeah. over four, 
which, yeah. you know, of the other lines at the top of this list, they're the only ones that actually played significant minutes. So, I mean, it makes sense, right? You have a guy in Silverberg who loves to shoot the puck. You have a guy in Ricard Raquel who also loves to shoot the puck and is a decent finisher. And Adam Henrique, who's kind of a bit of both of those things. So it, it makes sense that that could be a good offensive line that, that can hopefully drive some play for the Ducks. Yep. And then we know how much uh, Dallas Higgins loves Nicolas Delorier, Derek Grant, Carter Rowney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, write that one in stone. That is the only thing we can take away from this entire yeah. uh, scrimmage lineup is that that line will happen. That's yeah, the only and sur- that's the only sure value. Even though, as we've talked about a bunch of times, the line good. was absolutely horrible. The worst play, the worst line for the Ducks last year, no doubt about it. So um, that's fun that we're getting that again. And so yeah. when you look at the the other kind of top four lines um, from this scrimmage, you had Max Jones, Ryan Getzloff, Danton Heinen, and you have Max Comtois, Sam Steele, Troy Terry. And we actually had some quotes from Troy Terry talking specifically about playing with Sam Steele and that he actually enjoys it. And he thinks that they understand each other's game fairly well and think that both of them have developed a decent amount in the off season and, and gotten stronger and can really work off each other going into next season. So if that is the case, I really like that line as a whole because I think Sam Steele, he has his issues with his game. He's not as creative as you would like to see, but he he plays a decently quiet game. And I think that line will rely upon Troy Terry. And I think this works well to be the main uh, playmaker chance creator for that line as compared to needing it to be the center. And so Terry can take that kind of off of Sam Steele's back a bit. And then you have Max Comtois there who can, it was the finisher for that line. And so it kind of has a bunch of different pieces that could potentially work well together. And so I'm curious to see how that line will work once they get uh, going throughout the season. And I'm trying to look real quick if we ever got that line as a whole last year. I'm going to say probably doubtful because Comtois didn't play play that much throughout the season. Um, So I I think it's really it's going to be interesting to see what those guys can do together on the whole. And I'm even trying to see if Sam Steele and Troy Terry played a lot together because I don't maybe they played a bit with uh max jones i think on the, yeah, as they the did. third third and player numbers max, numbers weren't good numbers yeah. weren't good and i don't believe max jones really put up great numbers last year so um who you are very high on we should am mention. i am i i just you, said i think he can develop you've gone decent. you've gone to bat for him more than i have on this show oh, so fair enough just uh, just putting that out there well i don't love that line i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and say it. i don't love that line but okay. i I get the thought process. I think that you're you're betting on potential with that line because if yes. we're just looking at what they've done, you can't. I mean, you can't love that line. Sam Steele wasn't good last year. Troy Terry is okay in some respects and not as impactful in others. Um, Max Contois barely played in the NHL at all last year. So, what do you really have to go off of to say that that's going to be a good line? I think it's a line that's worth trying. Absolutely, and this is the time to do it if you're Dallas Aiken. So, I mean, that's kind of what I appreciate about this. And, of course, part of it is just that you're splitting up your roster. But you can see some creativity here. You know, I think that that's one of the things that we really harped on Randy Carlisle before, you know, in, in his final years was that there was very little experimentation with the lines. It was always the same lines. And, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of the times if it felt like he was going off of what those lines had done in the past and kind of ignoring what they were currently doing. So from that perspective, I like what Dallas Sakins is doing. I mean, it's just for that line to work. And you could say this about the Ducks as a whole, but for that line to work, I think Contois and Steele are just going to have to take big steps forward. I mean, at least one of the two has to take a massive step forward and become a legitimate NHL player. And I think Sam Steele may be able to do that this year. I mean, we 
there's not much that, that we can draw off of from last year to say that he can. I mean, he was a good, I think he was okay on the power play, but at five on five, just not a ton to write home about. But I, you know, and then with Max Contois, we know the shooting potential is there. We know that he doesn't, you know, he's not really completely aware of how to play defense in the NHL right now, but you have Troy Terry, the, 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 the guiding hand, the guiding light through exactly. it all. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it could work. I'm, I'm, it, I'm curious about it. And then the the final line kind of in this group that could be one the Ducks use is going to be uh, Max Jones, Ryan Getzloff, and Danton Heinen. So what you, Ryan have Getzloff, you have a theory up? on this? I, I do have a theory, but first off, what did Ryan Getzloff do to hurt someone where he gets uh, paired with Max Jones and Danton Heinen? <laughs> I mean, this kind of says it all, right, about the state of the franchise is that they don't have any finishers or enough finishers to surround their potential goat uh with some guys who can actually put away his passes i mean because danson heinen is not a shooter he's more of a playmaker if anything and max jones the results aren't aren't super inspiring so far yep i i think danson heinen if i'm recalling and let me double check this but i believe the the thing that's very positive about his game um Mm -hmm. is that he's actually good defensively he, he is. Pretty- no, I mean, Dan- Danton, I, I don't want to make it sound like I think Danton Heinen's bad. I'm just talking about from maximizing from, well, and Ryan Getzlaff, yeah. From a purely offensive perspective, that's not exactly what you want to see. You, mm-hmm. He's not exactly someone who's going to be generating a lot of shot attempts and, and chances for. He's one. He's a guy that defensively is going to be okay and is decent at suppressing shots, which actually kind of sort of makes sense if you think about it with Ryan Getzlaff because we've talked about this a bit, but his defensive game slipped a bit last year. He was not good in his yeah. own zone. Um, and, and so my kind of theory here, though, the one that you uh, here we teased go. a little bit there, is that the left wing for this line won't be Max Jones when all is said and done. If uh, if this uh, these are the lines that will happen, I think Max Jones is out of the lineup or potentially uh, thrown on a different line, and that spot will go to Trevor Zegers. I think mm. that if you look at that line construction now. And you have Trevor Zegras there on the left wing to be able to kind of learn from Ryan Getzloff, learn from him in the defensive zone, be able to watch him and what he does, and also have him be out there. We've seen him in the World Juniors Tournament be able to show that he has a really good shot. It's not just a playmaking, the playmaking ability. He has the ability to get shots off, and it's a little bit different than Ryan Getzloff, who's a guy that's only been a playmaker and people actually get mad that he doesn't shoot. It seems like Zegras makes a point, has made a point this year to shoot the puck, or this uh, World Juniors to shoot the puck to show that he's not just an assist machine. And so if you have Getzloff and Zegras there to be able to play, um, play off of each other, and then you have Heinen also on that line to do a little bit more of the defensive work to cover for, for Ryan Getzloff. That's not an awful line, and that's one that could be fun to watch on the whole. Well, I think that the Ducks should just try that just to yeah. see how it goes. I mean, regardless, I think Trevor Zegers should get a, a shot to start the season. Um, it, it, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? If he, Love- if he can... If he can make an impact in the NHL right away, or even just be an okay NHL player, I mean, that's the Ducks don't have a ton of really appealing options on left wing, so no, you just, just got to try stuff. And Cam Pafu in our Twitch chat's bringing up basically why does he have to start on the wing? It seems like from what we could seen be of, center of, of him at World Juniors that he seems like someone that uh, has been a little bit better at, at, in his own zone than Turcott has when they've been on the ice. And so one thing I want to bring up is that I believe Bob Murray has even said that he sees him starting on the wing, but eventually they want to get him to the center position. Well, also, so, the, the Ducks just have a bunch of centers. Exactly. So who are you and, moving off of that? 
Yeah, exactly. And so we, I, I think just from a logical perspective, it makes the most sense to have mm-hmm. him on the wing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I think I would rather actually see Henrique on the wing, but I think part of this is us trying to also speculate on what we know of the Ducks roster and the franchise as a whole. And it sounds like from everything we're hearing that he's going to be on the wing. And part of that is due to the fact that they don't want him to necessarily have the defensive responsibility. And honestly, it's not an awful thing to kind of put for him because we'll get into this a little bit more with when we talk about the world juniors, but there are some things in his game that he will need to work on when he makes the jump into the NHL and to be able to work on those from a purely offensive perspective and not have to worry necessarily about the defensive side of the game. In addition to that, that can be beneficial to him and learn the defensive responsibilities over time. And so maybe this is a short-term situation where you're trying to get him to learn certain things and adapt to the NHL without having to put him in the deep end all at once. Yeah. I th- and, and the thing is, I think that the way that these lines are constructed, there's really only one clear cut top six line. So I think Henrique Silverberg and Raquel is the only line that you can confidently say will be the first or second line. And because outside of that, I mean, Jones, Getzlav, Heinen, Contois, Steele, Terry, those are kind of interchangeable to me, even though yes, Ryan Getzlaff, you know, has the, the resume, the last couple of years haven't been so great to him. Now, what I did, what I do find interesting though, is that Sonny Milano was skating next to Isaac Lundestrom and David Backus, because that, I mean, Milano and Backus are guys who I think could come into this lineup and make it better right away. Because Milano, I think that they just want to see what Jones and Contois can do in this lineup with with Getzlaff and Steele. But ultimately, I think Milano will take one of those slots if it doesn't end up being Zegras. Yep. And I mean, as you mentioned, notably, David Backus not in that group of, uh, of forwards that we mentioned. So... What yeah. do they do with him? Is this maybe a situation where they swap a lot of things out? I mean, the only real lock in this group is the Deloria Grant Rowney line. I mean, we can I'm I'd say put <laughs> oh, it ninety percent that's ninety percent so chance that it's gonna be Raquel Henrique Silverberg. I think that, that I'm feeling fairly confident about that. But the mm-hmm. only true lock is Deloria Grant Rowney. And the rest yeah. is kinda up in there. Thinking about yeah. this though. How do you feel about the Zegras getzloff Heinen line? And would you rather see potentially Danton Heinen taken off of that line and Troy Terry put there? Well, I think that Terry and Getzloff should play together. I think that that's a pairing that can really have a good good chemistry because they both they both kind of they both cover up for each other's weaknesses. So Getzloff is still a phenomenal playmaker. He's still great offensively, but. The, the defensive side of the game, whether it's age, whether it's kind of whatever it is, it's it's taken a step back. But Trevor, Troy Terry has shown that he can already be a responsible player in his own end and is coming along offensively. And whereas with Danton Heinen, I think there's maybe a little less upside even still with the playmaking that Troy Terry has. Um, so I'd rather see Terry there. I think that that gives them a boost defensively because Heinen wasn't particularly good last year defensively, even though you know over the last years he has been. He had a pretty rough season last year, so Terry makes sense there for me. And then, yeah, if you can get Zegras in, in his, on the left wing, and if Zegras is any good, I mean, you're looking at a potentially fantastic line. I mean, that could be a not a... Not a I guess a, a lock to be a, a second line, but it could be a, a very good middle six line. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Completely agreed. Um, anything else you want to talk about with these lines? Because I got one well, other thing to bring up about the forward group. 
Yeah, go for it. Let's hear what you which, have to say. Which is that Dallas Akins mentioned specifically to Eric Stevens that um, the two players that unexpectedly jumped out to him um, are Jacob Perot and Lucas Dostal. And I think that that is kind of, I mean, it, it's not necessarily unexpected for us uh, that follow the Ducks roster, the, the prospects in depth and, and the way we do. But I mean, you can take your lap on uh, Jacob Perot and, and where you were at with him going through the draft. I mean, we both thought he would be a steal if the Ducks could get him late. And it seems as if he's impressing um, with uh, with the Ducks in camp so far. And similarly with Lucas Dostal. I mean, you and I are both really high on him and um, think he can become a really good NHL goalie. And he impressed. And, and I feel like impressing a coach as a goalie... It, it, it's yeah. a very hard. It, he must like it, he must have stopped a lot of pucks. Yeah, he must have played really well and made some really uh, solid stops there. But I think that's interesting. And also, um, one other thing, once again, not necessarily a surprise to us. Uh, Dallas Aikens like what he saw out of Troy Terry in terms of creating chances. Yeah, shocker, Troy Terry, who all of his statistics that we looked at over the summer and He's watching very film good. on him, he, that's what he does well. If there's one thing you can say he does well offensively, it's create for his line mates. Now, with Jacob Perot, though, I do want to say that I think he's another guy who, like Trevor Zegras, I would just be curious for them to give him a shot, you know, whether it's just a couple games. The QMJHL was in flux for a bit. Or, sorry, not the QMJHL. The OHL hasn't yeah. even started yet. And so I don't know what they're going to do there. But with Jacob Perot, he, he's got a skill set that I would imagine would really stick out like a sore thumb in these scrimmages because there's not a lot of guys in this roster who can fire the puck like he can, who can, and who can combine that with, with good skating and, and good vision. So he's a guy who I think, look, maybe it doesn't happen this year, but he could quickly, he could find himself in this ducks lineup sooner just because he has a skill set That's just really lacking on the ducks. And Hey, yeah. maybe one day a Zegris pro line could be very interesting for this team. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see what the Ducks do with their taxi squad specifically because mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are going to use this as a chance with the fact that the OHL, did they announce a start date yet? They, it was Feb, early February, right? I, I haven't been following that, but I haven't heard anything. I, I think I maybe saw early uh, early early on in February something along those lines. I think a similar thing for the WHL, but the WHL is even more in flux. But mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how NHL teams deal with those kids in their taxi squad because... Um, I was actually chatting a bit with, uh, John Broadbent from, uh, defend the nest who covers the goals. Really great job over there. Used to be with us, uh, Anaheim calling. Um, and he's gotten wind that it does seem like the AHL CHL agreement, that, uh, kind of loophole clause that allows, uh, CHL players to play in the AHL once their season's over will be applied to before the season begins also. So I believe that CHL players, will be allowed to play in the AHL if their um, if their CHL season has not begun yet. And similarly, that also applies to the NHL. They can obviously play in the NHL whenever. Um, but I'm curious to see what the Ducks do with these kids because if the OHL doesn't begin before uh, early February, the Ducks will have some games. Will they, will they utilize taxi squad spots on Jacob Perot? Will they use, utilize taxi squad spots on... Uh, Jamie Drysdale, these guys, and maybe get them into a game or two. Do you see Jamie Drysdale on the bottom pairing for the Ducks just to maybe see what he can do, see what you have in the player? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this team as a whole, and that's why I appreciate the approach from Dallas Akins is you just got to try stuff because there's not a lot of known commodities, 
And some of the ones that are known aren't necessarily known for good reasons. So, yeah, why not give a Jamie Drysdale who has so much potential and I would say is playing solidly at the World Juniors uh, to, to very well in some games. Uh, why not give him a shot on that third pairing? You don't have this uh, this excess of great options, so why not see what he can do? Why not see what a Jacob Perot can do? Why not see what a Trevor Zegras can do? We're not trying to say that these guys are going to come in and be impact players. It's just a season where the Ducks have very little margin for error, and right well, now the, guy, the guys, they don't have any sure values to enter that with. So... So why not and, try things? <laughs> and I also think, so the way that you can look at it in most seasons, you don't want to have a guy up and being scratched uh, if they are a CHL player because why would you want to keep them from develop, developing their game down in junior? Um, so you send them back. You don't have them really being scratched. You don't want to have them burn a year off their ELC. So that's why guys usually aren't being given trials. But when you deal with uh, this situation where the CHL isn't starting yet, yeah. so... Why not? Why not keep them up in the on the NHL, keep them on the taxi squad and basically allow them to practice with the NHL team um, and, and get those reps at with an NHL squad and maybe even get in a game or two before going back to their junior team or even maybe even the AHL, depending on what happens with the CHL and getting more reps in there. And so I, I think we may see Jamie Drysdale play a game for the Ducks. We may see Jacob Pro play a game for the Ducks. I doubt that either of them play over the six game required no. over six game limit to get an EL uh, to make it so their ELC won't slide. But I think that we could see them. And I think that's exciting. I, I think that's exciting for Ducks fans, and it, it's going to be a fun thing to see and keep track of. Yeah, the only issue for Perot specifically, they're you know he's they're putting him on the right side is that there are a lot of bodies on the right wing for the Ducks that are kind of set in stone. I mean Heinen, Terry, Silverberg, Rowney. I don't know who comes out to give him a chance in a game, you know, in a particular yeah. game. Maybe maybe you scratch Rowney and you move uh, Heinen down to the fourth line. I don't know necessarily what you do there, but make it work. Why not? <laughs> um, I will. Who's the one guy that you can guarantee will get a shot? Are we including Trevor Zegras in this group? I think he's the only guy that you can, right? Yeah. He, he's yeah. the only guy you can. I mean, honestly, I would probably put Jamie Drysdale almost there. I think he gets a game. I, I think he definitely gets a game. I mean, you look at this roster, you look at the third pairing. We talked about how kind of, I guess, the only locked-in thing is kind of uh, Jacob Larson and, and Christian Juice. But if I'm remembering correctly, and let me double-check this, Christian Juice is a left-handed shot that's been yep, playing he is. the right side. So why not put him back on the left side and put Jamie Drysdale there? Yeah. Yeah, Drysdale-Juice, I mean, that – that is at least more intriguing than Larson Juice for yeah, a bunch exactly. of different reasons. Yeah, exactly. So this is a situation where I think we'll, we'll see Jamie Drysdale get in a game. I mean, the Ducks announced their training camp roster, and even though He's right now, <laughs> yeah, even even though right now they're not technically there because they're on the, the World Junior team, they both were, were listed on that roster and made note of it in the Ducks training camp uh, release and training camp roster release. So it would once World Juniors are over for them, which, I mean, We'll get into this a little bit more, but that's going to be on, let me double check, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday is when it'll be over. Semis are going to be tomorrow if you're listening uh, Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, then uh, semis are today. Um, with the, the World Junior Final being on Tuesday. And, and so they, I believe they'll have to come back and quarantine, but mm -hmm. they should, I believe, with tests. I don't know the exact protocol, but you would expect maybe by the weekend they'll be in Ducks camp. And so we... 
just to be clear, if they jump into camp, there will be guys that will be released from the training camp roster um, as a result of that. But I think the Ducks will do that. And so um, I'm really curious, and I think it the, – the Ducks, I think, made mention or, or Dallas Aikens made mention to Eric Stevens specifically about uh, when the uh, – when the scrimmages are happening. And I believe some of those will come when those guys are back. So they will be able to see them in action um, in those. So let me double check. Um, he plans to have four, um, four interest squad scrimmages. They will have their, the ducks will have their second interest squad scrimmage on Monday. And I believe there will be one later on in the week. So, and they, it will be a back to back. So, so, so they by the time, <laughs> by the time you're listening to this, there may already be completely new lines to talk about, but true. we'll uh, true. we'll see. I mean, I don't see there being big changes tomorrow. No, but um, all all yeah. of this is to basically wrap this up in a bow. Drysdale and Zegras, I think, each get a game at least. Okay. Any final thoughts, lineup related, before we get into some World Juniors and maybe some questions in the Twitch chat? Um, any final thoughts lineup related? Nope. I, I just think it's, it's nice to see lineups. I mean, obviously I'm probably with the majority of people would have liked to have seen the ducks, uh, stream the, the scrimmage at least if they don't want to scrimmage camp, that's fine. But to stream, yeah. stream the scrimmage so people could see that, I think that would have been nice for, for ducks fans who are starving for hockey content, uh, to be able to, to see that and, and see these games and even for media members, at least to even see it. I mean, Eric Stevens wasn't no one's allowed in Great Parks Ice, which I get. Yeah, but maybe but provide a, provide yeah. a mm-hmm. out, no, sorry, outside of our con, outside of our control, outside of our our view. But just would have been nice. But I mean, we're getting the best we can out of them. Dallas Aikens relaying stuff to Eric Stevens. I think Eric Stevens is doing a great job of covering this. If you haven't yet, go check out his real time update things um, on the Athletic. They are very helpful, very informative. I think that the athletic are pushing a lot of their writers to utilize that as compared to Twitter for, for training camp for training camp. And they can provide a lot more information in these real time updates as compared to Twitter. So go check those out. Really good information. So, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Oh, Sorry for the yawn. Uh, it's it's not you. Fatral, I promise. Fatral asks us, and this is relevant before we get to questions, but he said question before we move on from lineups, what goalies are at camp? So the goalies that are officially listed on the training camp roster are lucas dostal Oli erickson john gibson ryan miller and anthony stolars but the only ones actually utilized in the scrimmage were lucas dostal john gibson ryan miller anthony stolars um so those are the yeah, goalies that are Eric there Sinek, Eric Sinek went i think he was in tulsa for a little bit you know yeah uh, and so i don't know i mean that ship has kind of sailed in terms of a nhl hopes a little bit <laughs> anyway a little anyway bit. so um all right yeah Want to move World on juniors. to talk about World Juniors? So, the just kind of kind of put a bow on everything. I think last time we had talked, uh, I believe that we had Germany, Canada, USA, Austria, Slovakia, Canada had all happened. So, the games that have happened since is the US won seven nothing against the Czech Republic, Canada beat Switzerland ten nothing against the Swiss, um, and then we also have the US. Uh, beat uh sweden four to nothing and they also beat slovakia five to two yesterday canada they also beat finland four to one in group play and then yesterday in the uh, quarterfinals won three to nothing against the czech republic and so jamie drysdale i think has looked really good and really solid that pairing of him and bowen byram is potentially one of the best defense pairing i mean 
I was watching the the TSM broadcast and they were talking about that it might be one of the best pairings in World Junior history. Yeah, um, they've been it, they've been amazing. They've been amazing, and there there have been some people, including in our Discord chat, that have said the the Canadian team is kind of boring. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it's boring because of how good they are and how good that D pairing is. That they just aren't allowing anything to come into their own zone, and basically they just get it out. And so those mm-hmm. two together have worked really well. I think Drysdale's the more quiet of the two, and maybe he's deferring still a little bit to Byram, but he's shown his ability to skate so far this tournament, and his edge work is amazing watching him kind of walk the line and find ways to get into space and, and a lot of different things in the offensive zone is great. And his work in the defensive zone has been great. So overall, Jamie Drysdale has been exactly kind of ad as advertised, maybe not as high impact offensively as you would like to see, but he's been really, really good in this tournament. And then obviously the big talking point so far from uh, the tournament is Trevor's egress. I mean, let's cut to the chase here. It's I not, mean, it's, the not, other po- it's not Albin Sunsvik. It's not Albin Sunsvik. It's not Jackson Lacombe. Sam Colangelo has started to get into games and has looked all right, but uh, and it, it's not Henry Thrun or Thrun, even though he's also started to look solid. It's Trevor Zegras. Zegras has just absolutely gone off in this tournament. I mean, if we look back, kind of going through the games, if you go to uh, look at the uh, let's see to go back the seven nothing game against the Czech Republic, I believe that he let me see he had a two goals and two assists game for a four point game. Oh, sorry. Uh, three assists game for a five-point game. So uh, five points in the win against the Czech Republic. And then against Sweden, he had a goal and two assists for a three-point game. And then against Slovakia, he had, let me just double check, he had a two-assist game. And this puts him currently at uh, 15 points in the tournament, which tied him with Mike Madonna for third all-time in, in single-tournament scoring for the U.S., he's one point shy of tying Jeremy Roenick for second in U.S. career points at the World Junior Championships. So he's putting on a show, and he put on a show last year, as we talked about, but he's he has two more games because no matter what, whether the U.S. wins or loses tomorrow or today, depending on when you listen to this, um, they will also have the bronze medal game no matter what. So he has a chance to add to this total and potentially be the highest U.S. Uh, score point scorer in World Junior history. And join some very uh, lofty uh, names like Mike Madonna and Jeremy Roenick. Um, but we should probably note there are other players, like I think Jordan Schroeder's a name up there, that didn't go on to have huge careers. And so not trying yeah. to necessarily be a wet blanket here. Trevor Zegras has been insane. He has been so good, and there is so much to be excited about with him. He is so fun. He's so creative. He's showing in this tournament that he can not only produce points, but he can also uh, uh, produce assists. He can also produce goals, and he has a really good shot. But I do want to bring up kind of some things to watch as a Ducks fan here uh, with these next couple of games, and I think it's important. And there was a really good article put out by uh, Mitch Brown over at EP Ringside. Um, if you aren't subscribed there, I would highly suggest that they put out really great content for elite prospects. Um, but he put out an article, and one thing that he kind of focused on in this article was Obviously, there are so many pros to his game. And when you are looking for a con and Zgress game in this World Juniors, you are nitpicking beyond all belief. But that's one of the things that you have to do when you're looking at a guy like Zgress who has been so dominant. And you're trying to nitpick because you're trying to find a flaw that can maybe be exploited by other teams in the NHL. And one of the things that he brought up is that when Zgress does pull off his moves or when he's doing stuff going to the zone, he's gliding a lot of the time. And when you get to the NHL, that can kind of be exploited with guys taking away your space if you're not being able to accelerate and do things 
at your top speed. And also kind of on that note, I actually hadn't told you this yet, but Elite Prospects had a, a really good uh, YouTube video. They put out Breaking Down the World Juniors, and they talked about the fact that they had actually interviewed Trevor Zegras. And I think that this is an interesting point to bring up that while with the Ducks, he was with the Ducks, I think, for the last three months training. And they mentioned they put on a 14 pounds of muscle, all these things. One of the things he did, though, was he completely reworked his skating stride. Mm-hmm. And so instead of I, before his legs were kind of flailing out a little bit, he's really uh, streamlined his stride. And they were mentioning that you can really see this when you watch him with space and you can really see him skate more direct, more with his skates underneath him, have a more powerful skating stride as a result. The issue is it's not necessarily second nature for him yet that as of right now, when he gets pressured and has to pull off moves, he kind of reverts back to his old method. And so once that becomes second nature, maybe this concern of mine with him um, gliding doesn't happen anymore because his skating stride is so different. I think that that kind of shows, though, with the skating stride that, you know, we talk a lot about guys when they're entering the draft that, oh, their skating is a weak point, but, you know, skating can be improved. Skating isn't easy to improve. It can take years because think about how many years a guy has skated a certain way. You know, most guys that make the NHL started skating when they were two or three years old. So this is a deeply ingrained thing in them, and it takes a lot of time for some to really correct that. And so... I mean, it's it's like a golf swing to draw an analogy. It, it takes a lot of work to change your swing to the point mm-hmm. where you're consistent and it's second nature. So, yeah, with Zegras, definitely definitely some improvements. But we can't just say, oh yeah, that's that's going to correct you know in the short term. Yeah. And so, but but that's but, I mean that, that that's it, and I guess it's a good point by you to bring up because even though yeah we are nitpicking, it's important to point that out because I think a lot of fans are probably thinking and not completely wrongly that hey this guy's gonna be amazing you know or he's gonna come in and and tear it up and and we saw even in last night's game against slovakia um slovakia i think a lot of people noticed that they keyed in on trevor's egress and it makes sense i mean he's the 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 leading scorer in the tournament we talked about all the accolades and so they really tried to get in his kitchen really play physical with him and one thing that i noticed specifically a lot in the first period was they really tried to get in tight on him and not give him space when he entered the zone and the thing was with Zgrass earlier on in the tournament, he had some space partially because of his playmaking ability and they were kind of defending that and he still was able to make plays. Whereas Slovakia had the strategy of we're just not going to give him the time and space to make the plays. We're going to cut him out. And the thing is what you need to see from Trevor in, in these games is the ability to adjust, whether that is a change of speed. If you kind of go in with a bunch of speed and then back them off by slowing down a little bit, whether it is, if they're tight on you, make a pass right away, whether it is dump it in, whether it is try to go around them. There's a whole lot of things that you can do. And what, what at least I saw a lot in the first period was the guy was tight on him and he tried to stick handle through him and one or two times it worked, but a lot of times it hit a skate, didn't go through. And I mean, late in that period, there was a, uh, 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 questionable. I mean, I think it was clean, but a, a hit that caught him in the head and was a little bit of a scary moment for Ducks fans. And it's because he had guys on him and he was trying to just go through him and kept, and his head was down as a, as a result. And so yep. that's an adjustment that I would like to see. And now granted in this game still had a great game, two yeah, points. It didn't, it didn't it, stop him from having an impact. We, but we know, we know when, what you, we know what, we, what you'd like to see him do entering the zone there. Just, what? just d- dump and chase. 
No, not obviously <laughs> not. But but you can make a play there. And, and and I'm not necessarily trying to fault him in terms of trying to make a play through a guy's leg. But if it's not working in that game and you're not getting through, make it. You got to make an adjustment. And that's what we need to. What we're gonna want to see when he makes the NHL. And that's where I'm going with this here is that when he makes that jump to the NHL, NHL teams are gonna understand how to shut him down. They're going to well, understand. They're also and, just and better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so big, basically picture the way Slovakia played, but with better players, bigger players, more physical players, faster players, everything along those lines. And it's going to be able to make an adjustment. And I think that Trevor is smart enough, that Zegras is smart enough to be able to do that. And it's just making that recognition. It seems like he's committed enough also with the, I mean, taking on the, the, the process of relearning your skating stride is a big one. At, yeah. at his age and to be able to be willing to do that and not just say this is my stride and i'm going to work with it to understand he needs to improve that i actually fully expect him to be able to make these adjustments i'm just simply kind of bringing this up because i'm like watch this watch this when he gets to the nhl well, see I what happens that, here i think that that's a lot more interesting to hear than just another thing about how amazing he's been not because i think that's not worth talking about but as someone who's maybe trying to understand more about his game and where things really do stand getting into those deeper layers of analysis is what's going to get us to just kind of see things more clearly and, and well, understand the player as a whole. And I do think that it is going to be tough for him when he gets to the NHL because the time and space is going to be a lot more limited. And he is a guy who thrive. I mean, he thrives when he has options and he, and he creates options for himself. And I think that it's going to take a little time for him to crack that code in the NHL, it does for all, for I mean, almost all players, except if you're a generational talent. But once he does, and I think he can, we are going to see him be a, a productive NHL player. It's just it's just a matter of time, really. So Kempafu asks, what's his ceiling if he does indeed work on those things and is able to make those adjustments and learn? Because I think worst case scenario, if he's just if this is what he is and he's not able to make those adjustments, I still think he's a first liner in the NHL. I think he eventually becomes a first liner. Yeah, because the thing is, to, I, to be a first liner, you don't have to be a hundred point player. You know, it, exactly. It's, it's not this this perfect scale. I think that yeah, he can easily he can easily become a first line player without fixing all these deficiencies. Because a lot of it is just acclimating yourself to a new league. It's not so yeah. much making these wholesale changes in your game. It's just getting used to the speed, getting used to the timing, and that's something that he clearly, I think, has the brain to do. He's going to figure think- those things out. Do you think his ceiling, if he's able to make these adjustments mm-hmm. from what we've seen and what the ability that he has, in addition to being able to make those adjustments, do you think this is obscene to say his ceiling is around like what Mitch Marner is? Um, a playmaking play really... winger, maybe a center. Am I overshooting there a bit too much? I just think they're really different players. Um, okay. there, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of differences in how they play. If, if, in terms of the role... And, and how effective they could be in that role. That's not a bad comparison, but I think that Marner is a guy who thrives a lot more off of his skating stride and his ability to really make you have to back off because of how fast he is and how strong he is on his edges and how quickly he can turn and manipulate with his hands. Trevor Zegras, he's a good skater, and I think that we're seeing maybe the limitations of that right now. So he's not as much able to dominate a game in that way. And if you can't dominate a game in that way, then you have to be a special playmaker or a special, uh, you know, shooter. There's got to be something that really st- sticks out about yeah. your skills. And he has that. So to me, I think that where that kind of lands him is like a, a poor man's, not even a poor man's, but just like a lesser version of Patrick Kane, a guy who's making plays from the wing. 
and True. you know who's not necessarily the fastest, but he's going to make you respect him every time he has the puck. Well, and I think if he can transition his game to being a center long term and is mm-hmm. able to have that role, I think he has even more of an impact if he's able to have oh, yeah. the the work in the defense. I was side assuming of the game. he's staying on the wing, but yeah. No, sure. yeah, no, that's fair. And I, I think that we should bring this up. And you don't see this. I do a little bit. Granted, I haven't seen this player a, a, a lot, but when I do, I kind of get what this comparison, but Elias Pettersson's one that I've seen compared to Trevor Zegras. And I believe Scott Wheeler's made that comparison specifically that, I think that he that's may not fair. have the same, sh- he, he may not have the same shot that Pettersson does, but they're kind of similar in terms of build and playmaking ability. Well, the thing is with Pettersson and Zegras, what they're both so good at it, Yeah. And, and Pettersson's shot is, I mean, it's one of the best shots in the league, so you can't really compare them to that. But I think that they're both really good at making other players play at their pace. They're they're both really good at forcing you into making just into scenarios that you don't want any part of. And I mean, Pedersen is so good at that. And I think that we've seen Zegris do that in these world juniors. Now the question of course is, will Zegris be able to do that in the NHL? But I think there, there's reason to be optimistic there. Yep. Uh, so Dalton Z- Keyes asked. Zegris Z- Z- is pro- the- Z- probably going to be really good is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like we said at the top, He's been impressive in the World Juniors, no doubt. Obviously, one of the the best players in the tournament's history at this mm-hmm. point. But that doesn't really allow us to to run an analysis on this player and figure out what we think he's going to be. And so that's where we're going in with these nitpicking things, with figuring out, seeing how yeah. things will translate. Because, like I said, even though yes, there are players that he's being compared to that became that he's in the he's being compared to with his point totals like Mike Padano, Jeremy Roenick, but you also have the Jordan Traders of the world, guys that were just really good in the world juniors. And and, uh, and so how do you translate that success in the world juniors well, into the NHL? Because it doesn't necessarily always translate. Yeah, and the player that he does remind me a lot of, even though I, I'm sure people would, some people would push back on it because he's not as elite shooting as I, he plays, he reminds me a lot of Austin Matthews just in his demeanor on the ice. I mean, very confident player. You see it in his goal celebrations. Yeah. You see it no, in his con- you see it in his confidence handling the puck. And you know, neither of them are necessarily dynamic skaters, but they're just so smart, so cerebral with the puck and they're I mean, they're just so talented with their hands that they that they can overcome that. And yeah, of course, Zegras doesn't have the shooting of of an Austin Matthews, but he's shown us that he's a pretty good shooter in in this tournament. So Hey, maybe that's a comparable if, if he does move to center eventually. Yep. Dalton Keyes asked this question. I think it before we even get into other kind of questions, Zegers is the best non-goalie Ducks prospect since who? I mean, probably Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. Probably, probably Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan, sure. Bobby yeah. Ryan was a second overall pick. Yeah, so but I mean, it, that draft, <laughs> that draft was not as deep as the 2019 draft. True. Put it that true. Way. Bobby Ryan was a very highly touted prospect, though. So I think he's probably the high, the the most highly touted prospect since probably Bobby Ryan. You would think. But in terms of best, though, I think that was the question, wasn't it? Uh, Zegers is the best non-goalie Ducks prospect. Yeah. So I mean, best. Bobby Ryan was a really good player for the Ducks. Oh, I know. I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit Bobby Ryan at all. I'm just saying I think Trevor Zegers is really, really good. Yeah. Like, I think. I think no, they're close. Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay, so I think that's probably going to do it for the World Junior coverage. Hopefully that kind of scratched that itch for all of you. I mean, we, we have some really, really good matchups coming up. You've got Canada versus Russia. Uh, that's going to be at, Time. let me see, 
let me double check that time for everyone. But that will be on tomorrow. That is the first game of the day. That will be on at 3 p.m. Pacific. And then you will have the United States versus Finland at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. That is... uh, that is a rematch of the quarterfinal game last year where Finland bounced the United States and Finland um, upset Sweden. I think it's not too outlandish to say that was a pretty big upset where Finland took out Sweden yesterday. And so big games all around. Uh, I I think we would all love to see not only from a, a Ducks perspective, but just from a North American perspective, a USA-Canada final. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I think seeing... Jamie Dreisel, because if that does yeah. happen, you you know Jamie Dreisel and Bowen Byram are going to be matched up against Trevor Egress. Yeah, and, I mean and to that see would be that matchup would be so fun. I'm sure that the, the Ducks brass is probably rooting for that one as an yeah, it's just for an evaluation. Well, I mean Bob Murray had a quote about Trevor Egress that basically the reason they sent him to this process wasn't to to put up points in the the group stage; it was the the elimination rounds and to lead the team to a gold medal. Yeah, and, and so. That's what they want to see and from then, Trevor Zegras. That's why he's there. Come lead, and then come lead the Ducks to a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I think uh, it's going to be fun to see. So let's get into some questions. Let's start with these, though. We've mentioned this before, but if you want to email me, my email is in my uh, Twitter bio. You can also email the Crash the Pond account. Um, that's in the Crash the Pond Twitter bio. Um, but we get emails every once in a while. Ken Knight is a big one. We also got another one this week from, uh, do you have that one open? Brandon Hirschfield. Yeah, I can Brandon read it for Hirschfield. you. It's, it's, it's so, for you, Jake, but I'll, I'll read it for you. It is. I will, I will find it right now. I, I just said forward it to you earlier, so I will find it. I mean, but I let's can, start with I, the, can, I can read it. It's in front of me. Let's go with the Ken Knight one first. So, uh, he said, Hey Jake, great. <laughs> yep. Just, just shoving you off, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. great episode. You, you guys dropped yesterday. You, uh, thank you so much for the kind words. This was about, uh, us being kind of in a, a good spot going into training camps, but he said, just let's share his thoughts. Um, Spent a good time sending this email, so I want to give uh, Ken a shout-out. Uh, Zegers has looked like the best forward in the tournament so far to me. I don't want to get too far ahead, but if he shines in the first few weeks of the NHL season, maybe the Ducks give him a chance to chase the Calder. It would certainly put hope back on the table for the Ducks having some elite talent in the po- uh, at some point in the future. It's not that far out of reach, but not a layup by any means. You guys were searching for a comparable in the NHL, and I actually forgot that Ken had said this until right now, and uh, maybe it was in the back of my head, but I think it's Mitch Marner. Skill playing, skill playmaking, defensive responsibility, and similar size is a good comparison. As fans, I think we would like Zegras to be a top line center, as there was a gaping need on the Ducks. But maybe he drives play from wing, which seems to be growing in the NHL right now. When you look at Panarin, Marner, Kachuk, Goudreau, Stone, uh, let's see how he develops. Maybe he can play both center and wing. Uh, it would certainly add flexibility to what Bob Murray can do. So um, I think that's right in line, kind of with where we were thinking he might be, though, in terms of a winger. You agree with that? Like a top line winger, yeah, yeah, and, and drive, but driving play similar to maybe an Artemi Panarin, and a Mitch Marner, uh, a Matthew Kachuk's kind of. I mean, yeah, those aren't necessarily I think exact that, comparables. I don't, but. I, I don't know about that because Artemi Panarin is one of the very best players in the league, and I mean Matthew Kachuk is not that far behind. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's the hope if you're a Ducks fan. I don't know if he can get there. That might be a bit outside of of what he can do, but sure. I mean, it's it's in play. And then two more things I'll get to from this email. This one you're just going to love. While Line A is not my favorite, as we get closer to the trade deadline and beyond this year, it feels like the Ducks may take a swing at Line A. Top line forwards are hard to come by, and parallels with Solani make great storyline. Jets have Connor, and he probably has a shot at the Rocket year this year. If I'm the Jets, 
Uh, Kyle Connor is the prize to keep and the reason line a will likely never play on the top line for them. If Zegras can center a top line in the NHL, imagine putting him on, uh, putting the puck on line a stick thoughts. Uh, yeah. On the power play. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. And we've actually talked about this, but, uh, his thing is where do Drysdale and Perot play for the 2021 20, season? So, talked about the spit but more likely than not they may get a game or two with the ducks and maybe some time in the, uh, for the goals if the ohl is delayed after the ahl begins if that doesn't happen or basically and then they'll go to the ohl if the ohl doesn't happen i think they're in the ahl the entire season mm-hmm. yeah. i think we're gonna see a lot of nhl teams have the ahl be where their kids play if the <laughs> ohl, OHL does not happen <laughs> yeah basically it's gonna be a mini ohl yep. so um Thank you so much, Ken. I know you've got a couple more things in there, but uh, hope you had a great holiday week. And like I said, if you want to send us an email, go for that. We'll get some of the points in there and read it out as we go. So you want to jump into the one uh, from Brandon? Uh, yeah. Brandon? Oh, so oh, you're not going to read it then? I, th- I thought you were you were just taking taking on that responsibility, but no problem, no problem. I, I've no. got I've got it now. I've got it now. Don't now worry. I now you're making me pull it back up after a stiff arm. I, I've got it. So this is from Ban- Brandon Hirschfield. Thank you, Brandon, for the email. He said, greetings, Jake. First, love the show. Listen all the time and read all your articles. Thank you so much uh, for that. And obviously, we will have some more content coming your way as the season begins. Uh, we realize these will be the first Ducks games we've covered at Crash the Pond, which is exciting. Uh, he said, obviously, Zgrass has done amazing and Drysdale seems to be doing good as well. Uh, they said on the broadcast that Zgrass has cheat to his game. What do they mean by that? They also said Getzloff has been skating with him. Any word on that? I'm always weary of broadcasters. So by cheat to his game, I think we kind of covered this a bit, but it's it's basically he glides and, and he doesn't necessarily push the pace. Well, and always. he also and he also isn't that involved defensively. He's not necessarily yes. coming super low into the zone to support the guys below the goal line. He's more kind of waiting off for the breakout. I mean, but you know, you can't totally He's trust wings. So it, it how do you, hard how, to how, how do you feel that. about the NHL network broadcast for this tournament? I think it's been fine for me personally, before you get into, it, I think it's been fine, but there are some times where I'm just kind of scratching my head a bit. Yeah. I, I forget there was, <laughs> that one was one times. of them, by the way, I remember I, distinctly hearing that and just, just kind of, kind of turning my head like you know nick young i mean meme there there's obviously all the face-off talk that always happens on the NHL oh, podcast yeah. which i always roll well, my, my favorite at. my favorite thing is that starman starman i don't know how to pronounce the last name the 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 color guy is basically like the he's like a a pierre mcguire light with just all of his knowledge about who played for what youth team and whatnot but i kind of get it you know when it's a team usa broadcast you're trying to promote the game and the grassroots it's a junior tournament so i i kind of get it there it's fine it's okay yeah and um um there was another one and now i'm actually completely spacing on it but there was oh it was a hit that he said was completely clean or oh, yeah. a good hard hit from yeah, a, a u.s hit. player yeah and there wasn't the u.s could do no wrong Jake. there wasn't no, but there was no penalty on the play. But if you watch it, it was the clearly hit came like three seconds late, and it's like this isn't a uh, this yeah. isn't a clean hit here. This is this, this is definitely late. This isn't the nineties. So uh, I haven't been the biggest fan of the the U.S. broadcast. I think every other game where you've got the TSN broadcast and you've got Gord Miller and Ray Ferraro, oh, it's yeah. an absolute slam dunk. 
They are absolutely fantastic, and I really wish there was a way to watch their broadcasts of the U.S. <laughs> games because they are broadcasting them, and the, the NHL network is using uh, Starman, and I forget the other guy's name, He's only solid. for the U.S. game. Play-by-play guy yeah, is he, really solid. The, yeah. the play-by-play guy has been impressive, but Starman, he seems like someone that is more so following college hockey yeah, and kind of has some more he's, of the He's the got old a lot school. of energy, which you love, and I think he does seem a bit in tune with the modern tactics. But yeah, it's it's that stuff. Yeah, and the kind of anecdotes that I could, you know, when he jumps into some of the the in depth talk on systems, I think it's really good. Yeah, and he talks about like the bumper roll and, and you and, and using guys in different ways and does a really good job of explaining that. It's when he gets into the old school tropes that that it really starts to bug me a bit, which yeah. happens a decent amount. But you know, but, that's part of the game. Uh, as for Brandon's question about Getzloff has been skating with him, that I actually don't know of. It wouldn't shock me, though. I know Zegras has been with the Ducks for the past, like I said, three months, and Getzloff, I think, lives here full-time. So it wouldn't shock me if they've skated a bunch over this time and he's been picking Getzloff's brain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. I think that we, we have heard about that. So wouldn't make sense. Couldn't hurt. One thing I did want to point out, Trevor or um, Jamie Drysdale may be the youngest uh, player ever on the Anaheim Ducks. So according really? to the training camp roster, he's uh, date of birth April eighth, twenty twenty. So really getting a head start in his career there. <laughs> are, yep. are, keep are an you, eye out for it, guys. Are, are you seeing that? No, wait, what? I oh, it says April eighth, twenty twenty, date of birth on the, the official they, provisional they, training maybe, camp roster. Maybe they did that just to prank him, just to screw with him a bit. That'd be kind of wow. Funny. Yeah, that that does say 2020. I mean, <laughs> that is. Oh, it's got to be a th- prank. This, well, I think it's supposed to be 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably, I think they, probably they just, just were typing. They were typing quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we're, this, we're, this, we're the only ones scrutinizing this roster to this degree. So, I mean, this provisional roster. Sorry, Green Bastard Jack Kopak is listed here, but there's no way he's actually he he has to be hurt and is no way actually playing. Wasn't on the 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 scrimmage list and the ducks are one player over in terms of the allowable training camp si- roster size so yeah. it has to be jack Kopaka as the guy that's the odd man out sorry about that green bastard a good discord uh a good patreon of the show in discord um loves jack Kopaka for for some reason i think he does some i think he likes jack Kopaka just out of spite for me because of how much i've thrown cold water <laughs> maybe on, on, on the hype train no, it, right, it, it, 100, so, it has to be anyway, regardless. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some questions. For those of you watching us live on Twitch, uh, if you want to throw some questions in the Twitch chat, we will get them. But yeah, so if you're watching the recorded version of this on YouTube or listening to the uh, podcast version of this on all your favorite podcast services, um, we do a live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the pond where you can uh, actually, if you hit the follow button, and I believe Dalton Keys recently did that is what I'm seeing. Um, if you follow us, you'll get notified anytime that we uh, we go live. And if you want to actually help support the show, you can do so in a way that's completely free to you. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime, or I believe it's now Twitch Gaming subscription each and every month. And it does help out. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. I will be looking to update those as we're moving into the season. So there will be new things coming your way. Keep an eye out on that. Um, and we will go from there. Sorry about the noise again, guys. <laughs> it's coming in on my you're, end. You're struggling. Uh, I am. It is... Uh, yeah. So, um, but <laughs> as we move forward, let's get to these questions. So let's start with this one from Nate. Uh, question: What do you? Uh, what would you have to offer for Pierre Luc Dubois? 
Um, well, that's a tough question because Pierre-Luc Dubois is 22 and is essentially already a first-line center in the NHL. So those kind of players don't really come around too often on the trade market. It's He hasn't... Oh, did he just sign? Yes, he did, but he said he's not happy with the deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go, because I, I pulled up his name and I see the deal. Okay, so he's not happy with the deal. He's on a bridge deal. So that actually helps in terms of making a deal happen because he doesn't have that, that monster extension that he probably was hoping for. So I would be willing to give up quite a bit to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, yeah, so he got 6.6, so 3.3 this year and 6.6 next year. So so $10 million for two years is a steal for a player of his caliber. Um, I'd be pretty much willing to trade anything that the Ducks have to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, there's really not a guy, I mean, maybe a Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, one of the kind of top prospects. But even then, Zegras is maybe the only guy I really wouldn't want to trade out of anyone on the Ducks roster. Thought, yeah, I agree th- with th- that. Thoughts on that? Well, I wouldn't trade uh, Jamie Drysdale either. I would be more willing to trade Drysdale than Zegras. And I think that the the thing that you got to keep in mind with Dubois is that he's so young. I mean, he's a guy who, again, it's what we were talking about the other day texting, is that he he fits both the needs of the of the current team and of the future team because of his age. Now, he wasn't great last season, and so that is something to consider. But over the course of the last three years, I mean, he's just been a fantastic offensive center. And, you know, the defensive game hasn't always been great, and maybe that's part of the reason why there's some friction there. Who knows with him and the staff? I don't know. But uh, he's a guy that I would definitely be targeting. I guess I guess if I were the Ducks, I wouldn't want to give up John Gibson. I wouldn't want to give up... Um, outside of that, I mean, I think anyone on the blue line, you're kind of okay trading because you're getting a, a top line center. And then on the forwards, there's really, I don't think there's a forward. I I think the Ducks should keep off the table for Dubois. I mean, you trade Raquel for Dubois, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I I think it's pretty pretty wide open. I, I think what, what, what would make the Ducks pause is how many picks they'd have to include. Because... As much as you want Dubois, you know, if the uh, Blue Jackets ask for this year's first and a second or this year's first and next year's first and then maybe just like a kind of lower level prospect, then that's where maybe you start kind of thinking about it a bit more. That's because, uh, you know, as much as we think maybe the Ducks could make the playoffs this year, if they fall off, it could be another really valuable first round pick and you don't want to be in a San Jose situation. That being said, though, yep you do get a 22-year-old center out of it who's, you know, right now at least at worst a, a second-line center. So it's it's not quite as bad even if you give up a pick. I don't know. Where are you at on that? Well, Apparition brings up a good point that he would give up a first uh, this year's first note because if you get Pierre-Luc Dubois, that, might, that probably skyrockets this Ducks team into a playoff position. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good point is that you, you're probably maybe more comfortable actually trading the picks because... <laughs> You're less you're, getting. you're less likely to bottom out, but who knows? Because if you give up a pick, you probably still have to give up some players to make it work. To make it work, and maybe that does make you a little worse in the short term. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, are the Ducks a yep. playoff team if if you put Pierre Luc Dubois on them, and let's say you take off a a Raquel and uh, I don't know another roster player? Um, I think they're I closer. Think so. I think, they're a lot I think closer. Du- I I think they are. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
Okay, so actually, we got this question that I want to get to real quick. Uh, this mm-hmm. is more so, I mean, both of us are looking into this, but Fat Geralt says, question, I don't have cable, and NHL TV has the Ducks and Kings <laughs> blacked out, and that's due to uh, local broadcasting things with NHL TV, and you cannot watch if you're in the local market. Where can I watch games this year? So as of right now, the only place that I believe that carries regional sports networks, and I'm not quite sure which package you have to have. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look right now if the lowest one you get access to regional sports networks with it. But as of right now, it's only AT&T TV now as a streaming service um, that uh, can uh, provide regional sports networks. And I'm not sure what the package is that will allow you to do that. So it might be the plus at their cheapest one, but I'm not positive there. Yeah, um, it's 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 coming down to the wire for that, by the way. It's coming down to the wire, and basically what's happened is Hulu, YouTube, all, all of the different ones, um, basically they have uh, not given in on the the demands from Sinclair Broadcasting Network to rene- – or basically Sinclair wants to renegotiate and is uh, basically charging a bunch um, and – uh, I'm going to assume that as we get closer to the NHL starting, you may see something come through, but don't, don't bank on it. I guess the only other options are looking, uh, looking for a VPN, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that that could definitely be an option. If you get a VPN, I mean, you can, you can bypass some things out there that could potentially help your viewing experience. So. Just put it that way. <laughs> Not trying to encourage anyone to do anything that would get them into trouble. Okay. Um, any other questions? Um, not necessarily that I'm seeing actually right now. So I think that probably is going to do it for us on tonight's show in terms of uh, questions. Okay. Well, let's get into uh, a little wrap-up here, a little rundown. Um, if you've been enjoying the show... There's a few different ways that you can support us, but one of the ones that we really value that we just that we've always loved, you know, since we started the show is hearing from you guys through some listener reviews on Apple Podcasts and we've actually we've gotten a couple good ones here recently, Jake. A couple of really good ones. So, mm-hmm. let's just go through them. Ducks Down Under, five-star rating from Baka Irenka says, "Great pod, very informative. Keep up the sensational work." Best wishes from Australia. Wow. Thank you. Jake, you've been to Australia, I believe. I have. I went there on my honeymoon. I went to the Gold Coast, um, stayed in Surfer's Paradise, went up and down the Gold Coast, uh, loved my time in, uh, stopping in Burley Head, went down to Kulangata and went to uh, um, Snapper Rocks, uh, was it Point Danger, uh, Deba, surfed in, surfed Deba. It was, a, it was a good time, beautiful country. Ended up going up to Port Douglas and staying up there also as part of my honeymoon it was awesome awesome time love the country of australia felt definitely at home with how it was it was a good time yeah well it's this the climate's similar to here right to, to california yes and, and i got married in november and so i was Summertime. there basically starting into going right into their summer <laughs> it i will say this it was jarring because it was starting i think we were there for part of december also um and so I, we came back at just the beginning but you were starting to see some christmas commercials and it's very different to have christmas commercials in summer and barbecues <laughs> and all this different type yeah. of stuff as compared to christmas being associated with winter time and so definitely odd. a bit jarring there and funny that just the the difference with the the hemispheres happening there but awesome awesome country highly suggest anyone go there obviously also new zealand 
uh, in that same area. Do a trip to both. Our good friend John Broadbent is yeah. Uh, careful, you don't want to you don't want to alienate the New Zealand uh, listeners. I know. Here. I'm trying to give There's John a, big, a little bit of big love. rivalry you know. between the two in, in rugby. Actually, probably in every sport, but definitely. I think one of the better parts of this pandemic has been the fact that, and you know, <laughs> better parts of the pandemic is kind of a crazy statement, but is that we've still gotten live rugby with fans down in with the Australia and New Zealand games. So that's that's been yep. something fun. Another mm-hmm. great review. They, they, they just keep on coming in. This one from Break7X9. This the, the title of the review, This Podcast Slaps. So for those who don't know, slaps means good. This podcast is good, I think is what that means. It's what, it's what the kids say now. It's what, it's, it's what the youngins say. Uh, five-star review. Uh, Felix and Jake have so much swerved out YOLO swag. <laughs> And they've got the illest takes in the hockey podcasting universe. Wow. I mean, that sounds like me in college wrote that. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, CTP is better than Timu Solani, J.S. Jaguar, and Ryan Getzlaff combined. Wow. I don't know. High praise. High praise. I don't don't know if I would put this up there, I'll take it. I don't know in what respect. Maybe we are better at podcasting than them. I mean, I I would love to hear a Timu... (laughs) Shigeru <laughs> gets live podcast by the way um it would be great that. give us those stories uh if you ever have the burning desire to have an eardrum blank listen to these two dope bros dish on anaheim's finest if only we can get the boys the two boys to replace allers and hayward can you imagine us doing play the 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 broadcast how, how badly that would go i mean we <laughs> have talked about potentially doing a watch along this season oh. with our with our Patreon members, so you may have a chance to do that if you become a Patreon member. As as so. much as much crap as I give, as we've given the commentary for the Ducks in the past, I will still acknowledge it is a very tough job to do. It, it is on very the, tough on the fly with you know things just you know, the speed of the game. It's it's a tough job. I think what, our, what, our our niche would be like an intermission show. I think that would probably what, be our our niche. Which one of us would do play by play? I have no clue because I don't. I don't want to do. The I don't want to do it I either. Think, I think I don't want to do it either. I, I think I think that's more up your alley than mine. So you know, there you go. I don't really want to do it though. But anyway, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I think you're right. Intermission show would be more so what we, what we would be. Fun we at we can uh, we can replace uh, Guy Bear and Kent French. You know, in the there you go. in the uh, what's the casino? The little lounge they have, the Morongo Casino Lounge. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I, Sam Manuel would be the one that would. Probably no, the, be no, it, there's but. there's the Morongo one. I promise there. you this, as someone who watches every Ducks game. I'm pretty sure Sam Manuel is the one on all the boards, not Morongo. But they, it's definitely that, that Sam does... Manuel. Okay. I mean, you can just be wrong. Like, that's that's something you're allowed to do. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to, you know, let us know your thoughts about the show, uh, especially if you really enjoy it. Well, then that's a great way to do it because we have a lot of fun reading these, get a good kick out of it, and it means a lot. And so if you just search... Uh, if you search for Crash the Pond on Apple Podcasts, uh, we'll come up there and it, it takes just a couple of minutes. And like I said, it goes a long way. You can also find us on Spotify, which uh, lately I've been using a lot more of to listen to podcasts. So it's a great service. Definitely, great reco- service. definitely recommend that. Um, but one of the biggest ways that you can really support our show is through our Patreon page, um, patreon.com slash crash the pond. So over there, couple of cool features. So for a dollar a month, uh, which is a dollar monthly pledge, you get access to our Discord chat, which is where, especially once the season 
begins, I think is going to go up in value quite a bit. We do live in-game chats. So whenever the Ducks are playing, we're in there just breaking down what's happening, uh, complaining about the commentary or whatever the case may be. It's, it, it gets pretty fun in there. And there's there's been actually a lot of good chatter, even in the World Juniors. Uh, people have been really awesome in there about engaging and uh, you know when and, there's when there's ducks breaking news, things of that nature, we're also uh, heavily in there. And want to give a shout out to someone actually in the Twitch chat right now who, uh, as of January one, is now a new patron, and that's going to be uh, Ginger Wolf. Uh, oh. decided to support us at the five dollar tier. So thank you so much, Ginger Wolf, for doing that. Thank I see you. you, and I see you coming at Felix with saying it would be fees keys <laughs> instead of geese keys. That that would be great. Well, I I would just do the same thing. You know, get the puck on that and, and score more goals than the other team. That, that I, that's all I have to beat. And anyway, sorry. is that what hockey's about? I, am I throwing shade there? I'm sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> it's okay. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So for the five dollar tier a month, so you get access to that chat, which as I already said is awesome. But you also get access to two bonus episodes, and you know those episodes. I think that if you enjoyed the banter of the show, the lightheartedness of it. And maybe also the analysis, who knows? Uh, then it's a perfect fit for you because you get some more in-depth talk about the Ducks. So we can really spend time hashing out different topics. You know, we're not as constrained by the weekly news. We also go into league-wide topics. We do a lot of league-wide rankings. We did a full-on playoff prediction episode, which, uh, you know, we'll see how that ages. I know that the one we did predicting the uh, play-in round for the playoffs didn't exactly go that well for me. So hoping didn't I, do, I didn't I do do the best out of all of us. In, yeah, look, the playoffs I don't now? know. I don't. I can't recall. I can't recall. But um, and also, I mean, we if you enjoy kind of the some pop culture talk, we also uh, got into the Mandalorian, which was basically just Jake, Jake talking for an hour. If we're being, it was great. If we're being, I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. No, it was great. It was great listening to you just dish, dish on the Mandalorian. Um. So yeah, that's at Patreon.com/slash/CrashThePond. Um. Jake already talked about it, but just to reiterate. We do these shows live on Sunday evenings, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm assuming that that's going to hold up in the beginning of the season. Um, and so if you join us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Crash the Pond, you can join into that that chat and um, interact with us. And you can get your the topics that are top of mind answered as we're doing the show. So that's a lot of fun. Another way that you can see our faces, uh, youtube.com slash Crash the Pond. So some people prefer listening to their podcasts in video format and so if you're one of those people we've got you covered um, make sure to subscribe to us there and also um, turn on your notifications so that you actually know when our videos go up right away if you leave a comment which people do we will reply well more specifically jake will reply because he's all over it um, so that's youtube.com slash crash the pond make sure to check out our website uh, crash the that's at crash the pond on twitter and also you can find us on facebook Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91, and I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So assuming Jake doesn't cut in here to say that I missed something, we are going to head out. So <laughs> hope everybody has a great week. Hope everybody is doing well. I should also mention Happy New Year. Um, this is our first yes. podcast of 2021. Actually, let me jump in real quick yes. here. We, we did forget to do that last episode. So Happy New Year to everyone. Mm-hmm. Want to give a big, big thank you everyone out there over the past year uh for supporting us uh this has definitely been one of the weirdest years to cover hockey especially it has been a the franchise that <laughs> yeah especially a franchise that uh did not make the playoffs and basically played in 
uh, played games in less months or there were more months without the ducks than there were with the ducks. And we've somehow decided during all this to branch off, start our own new show, our own new website and have grown since uh, our previous time. And it's wild. The Twitch streams have grown. The the listeners have grown. It's all kind of gone up, gone uphill for us. Um, And it, I really cannot state how appreciative both of us are for everyone out there. Anyone who's taken the time to jump into the Twitch stream, to add a comment on YouTube, to become a patron of the show, to interact with us on Twitch, to read the website, to to just listen to the show, to leave an Apple podcast for you. Basically, everyone out there, I really cannot state how much all the support has meant to us throughout all this. And we are, we are so, so excited for what not only we're going to be doing with the podcast, with Patreon, but also with the website. And this is our first go at it with this website uh, with games coming. And we're really excited for what it's going to bring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I should have probably said Happy New Year off the top, but I don't know. I was just so excited to talk about the Ducks' new pairings. that Actual it, hockey. That it, it happened the last two weeks. There was actual stuff to talk about. It yeah, was exciting. It kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of nice. So, yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. Hope 2021 is off to a good start. Let's uh, let's let's do it all together. Let's let's make this a great year. It can't get any worse, right? <laughs> so, on that awesome note, some some very great words from Jake. I should also echo that that I look. We are diehard fans of the sport, and so we you know we spend a lot of our waking hours you know thinking about this, discussing this, you know researching, so that we can bring you a good show on Sundays. And so to get the kind of support that we do. Um, you know, as kind of a little reward for all of that, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's um, it's not something that we really kind of expected when we started because when we first started the show, I mean, it was just and even as we've continued, it's just because this is what we like to do, and so the fact that people like to join in, it's just awesome, and we're gonna keep it going this year. So on that note, have a great week, everybody, and we will talk to you at the next show with more news to talk about. See you then. Bye.